May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan, I'm the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. And before we get started in the message today, um, I, I got to tell you, uh, Parkway Fellowship as a church, this church continues to blow me away. Um, I want to give you an update with our Christmas offering. We had a Christmas offering goal of $75,000 to give to Love 146, uh, uh, Benevolence Ministry, uh, World Vision, um, and Katie Christian Ministries. And uh, $75,000, highest goal we've ever had in the history of our church. Now that Christmas offering is concluded, know how much we took in? $127,245.17. Holy cow! My gosh, I couldn't believe it. Get this. We are going to be able to send Love 146 a check for over $75,000. They're going to freak, man. They have no idea it's coming. I can't wait till they open the envelope. I mean, it's going to be awesome. So anyway, um, today we're wrapping up this series, Becoming a Contagious Christian. And uh, a few weeks ago, I told you a story about uh, my friend Jimmy. Well, I want to tell you another story about uh, someone else. When I was just first learning how to share my faith, um, this story is about a person that I knew. Her name was Carrie. Um, she was a checker at the Albertsons grocery store where I worked. And um, I worked in what, was in what we called the lobby. Um, that was a counter up like at the very front of the store, you know, where, you know, we sold Skull videos and Luckies, okay? Um, <laughs> hey, man, I just sold them. It was the job, okay? <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, I, I, Carrie was my friend, and so... Um, you know, here she was, she, and she, she kind of felt like her, her life just wasn't going anywhere. She felt like her life just had no meaning. She was, I could tell she was searching for something more because here she was, she was she's in her 20s, she's not married, she's not in school, she's a checker at Albertsons, and she just, she just felt like her life wasn't going anywhere. So I started telling her about Jesus and all that Jesus had done for me and how he had changed my life and how he had given my life meaning and value and, and a sense of purpose. And we were talking in the parking lot one day after work, and uh, she said, you know what, Mike, I I get what you're saying about Jesus, but there's one thing I just can't get past, and that is, how can a loving God throw good people into hell just for not believing in Jesus? So what would you say to that? And and I I thought in my head, (laughs) I don't know. So you know what I said to her? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I said, but then I said, I said, but one thing I do know, that you can't get to heaven by being good. You have, the Bible says that Jesus is the only way to get there. And so if anyone does, does not ask Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sins at some point in time in this life, then yes, they will go to hell, whether they're good or not. And I'd like to tell you that, like, Carrie got down on her knees right there in the parking lot and asked Jesus Christ to come to her heart and became a Christ follower. But she didn't. Because she had an internal objection that she just couldn't get past. And, and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to help her. And, and I wonder how many times we have been in conversations with people and, and we wish that we knew how to answer their questions about believing in Christ or 
We've shied away from getting into conversations with people because we were afraid that they were going to ask us a question that we wouldn't know the answer to. And, you know, we didn't want to look stupid. I mean, we don't want to look like we don't know. We don't want to look like we haven't thought this thing through. But how great would it be if when we got into these conversations with people and they raised some objections about believing in Christ, that we would have the answer. That we would know what to say. That we would know how to respond to their questions with a well thought through, biblically correct and supported answer. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? And so this morning, I want to talk to you about how to handle some of the most basic objections that people tend to have about believing in Christ. Now look, we don't have time to go through every single possible objection. So what I want to do is I want to cover some of the most common ones. I want to give you some clear and easy to remember answers so that when you get into those conversations, you can know what to say. Um, So go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. And let's look at this first one. So what are some of the most common objections to becoming a Christ follower? And how do I overcome these objections? Well, here's the first one that I, and these aren't in any order, these are just, some of those common ones. Here's the first one. I can't believe a loving God would throw anyone into hell. I mean, this is basically my, friend's, my friend Carrie's objection. This was her objection. Now, when you handle objections, I'm actually not convinced that you have to, like, memorize all the Bible verses that go along with every one of these objections. Because, you know, bottom line, people that don't believe in Christ, they don't view the Bible as their authority for life anyway. I... So you don't have to memorize all the verses. And because, look, if they believe the Bible is their authority, they would be a Christ follower, right? But they're not. But here's the thing. You really ought to know what verses do answer these questions. And you ought to be able to lock those concepts in so that when, they, when you're asked, you can give an answer that is biblically true and correct. Okay? So, you know, it might be a good idea to... You know, take this piece of paper and put it in your Bible after we're finished today. Or maybe write down these objections and the ver- corresponding verses. Put, write those on the inside cover of your Bible so you won't lose it. All right? So, here's some verses to help us find an answer to this first objection. The first one is found in, second, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. It says, the Bible says this, For he, that's God, longs for all to be saved. I want you to circle that phrase. All to be saved. For he longs for all to be saved, to understand this truth. And what is the truth? That God is on one side, and all the people are on the other side, and and Christ Jesus himself, man, is between them to bring them together by giving his life for all mankind. Look, this is the verse that we used for the bridge illustration two weeks ago, okay? But look at the part I had you circle. It says, God wants all to be saved. Everyone. But the problem is Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Look at that verse. It says this. Yes, all have sinned. Circle, all have sinned. Yes, all have sinned. All fall short of God's glorious ideal. Yet now, and underline this whole next phrase, God declares us not guilty of offending him if we trust in Jesus Christ who in his kindness freely takes away our sins. So what's the answer to this first objection? 
It's this. God wants everyone to go to heaven. God doesn't send anyone to hell. But if they don't choose Christ, they choose to go there. Look, the Lord gives everyone a choice. You can accept the offer of Jesus to forgive you of your sins, or you can pay the price of your sins yourself. Now, the consequence of paying the price of your sins yourself is to spend an eternity separated from God in hell, okay? And look, and even though some people are basically good, nobody's perfect. We've all sinned. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus is providing a way for your sin account to be settled up. Because look, everyone's sin account has to be addressed. And so Jesus is offering a way for your sin account to be settled up, to be forgiven, okay? And that happens by asking him for his forgiveness and then pledging to follow him from this day forward as an act of gratitude and thanks for wiping out all of your sin. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. Honestly, and I wish that I had said all that to my friend Carrie. I wish I'd been able to explain that to her because honestly, I think it would have helped. Now, look, in a real conversation, you're going to have to talk through this issue a little bit longer than what the few minutes that I've talked with you here, okay? I mean, it's just going to take a little bit longer, but it doesn't matter. The truth is still the same. So in that conversation, um, even though it might take a little while for someone to wrap their mind around it, you just got to keep going back to the truth, going back to the truth, and going back to the truth. And that's what we have here, Okay? So that's the first objection. Let me give you the second one that I hear a lot. The second one I hear a lot is this. I'm not sure God really exists. I'm not sure God really exists. Now, I'll be honest with you. This one might take more than a few conversations to overcome. Because honestly, for someone to go from not even believing God exists to following Jesus Christ, well... That's probably going to take longer than it takes to drink a mocha frappuccino, okay? I mean, that, it's going to be a little while, all right? But it's not an objection that can't be overcome, especially if that other person actually has an open mind. Um, and the answer to this objection is found in a passage in the Bible that essentially talks about God's wrath. But it's in the midst of talking about, the, about God's wrath that we find a truth that gives us evidence of how we know that God really exists. Look what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says this. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Basically, this verse says that we can know God exists just by looking at nature and the majesty and complexity of nature itself. You know, basically if someone says to me, you know, Mike, I, I, I don't even know that I believe in God. Um, I would start off by saying to them something like this. Have you ever just looked up at the stars on a clear night and just looked at the enormity and the majesty of the universe and thought, how in the world did all this get here? 
Have you ever stood on the beach by yourself and looked at how the ocean disappears over the edge of the horizon and thought, this world is so big. How did all of this stuff get here? Have you ever looked at the anatomy of the human body, at the complexity of it all, even down to the complexity of a single cell, and wondered, how did all of that really genuinely get here? How did all that really happen? I mean, because all these things point to the existence of God, of a creator. Now, some of you are thinking, but what about the Big Bang? Like, I know you're thinking that, okay? Because that's how most people are going to respond. And so, in fact, if somebody responds to me, uh, well, in fact, I usually, when you're handling objections, that one of the best things to do is if you know they're going to say something, the best thing to do is just to, just to head it off and handle it yourself. And so I would say kind of in this moment, I'd say, you know, now some people think that all this stuff got here by a big bang. Because that's, I already know that's, I mean, I know that's what they're thinking. So I'd say, now some people think that all this stuff got here by the big bang. And you know what? That sounds right at first, but the deeper you dig and the closer you look, the more problems you find. For instance, in 1982, Sir Fred Hoyle, a mathematician and um, astronomer at Cambridge, who, by the way, was the man who coined the phrase Big Bang, he decided to calculate the mathematical probability of a single cell forming spontaneously anywhere in the universe. Not all of life, just a cell. One cell. And so working with a whole team of world-renowned mathematicians, they discovered that the odds of a single cell developing spontaneously anywhere in the universe is 10 to the 40,000th power. Mathematically speaking, that is a statistical impossibility. Sir Fred Hoyle, an atheist, by the way, said that the odds are better of a tornado going through a junkyard and forming a fully functional 747 airplane. In his findings, I quote, he said this. He said, the fact that life exists anywhere in the universe can only be explained by the pre-existence of some gigantic intelligence, which, if you wish, you may call God. Wow. And so here's the answer to this objection. The answer is, it takes more faith to believe in the Big Bang than in God. Look, there is so much to say about how God reveals himself through creation. In fact, I'm going to do an entire sermon over this topic. And I'm going to do it in the series that we're going to start on Easter Sunday of this year. But let us suffice today to say that it takes more faith to believe that Everything in our world, big and small, simple and complex, it takes more faith to believe that all of that came by random chance than it did by God. Objection number three. Here it is. 
Objection number three, I hear this one. Aren't all religions referring to the same God just by different names? I mean, aren't all religions referring to the same God, I mean, just by different names? Uh, and, and at first, this seems like very plausible. I mean, you know, the Muslims call him Allah. I mean, the Hindus call him Vishnu. The Native Americans call him the Great Spirit. You know, some call him Buddha. Others call him Krishna. I mean, isn't he the same God just known by different names? Well, here's the deal. All religions are not the same. And, you know, at a distance, all of that seems very plausible. But when you look at it closely, all religions are very, very different from Christianity. Because, look, Christianity is the only religion where you don't have to perform good deeds to get to heaven, okay? In fact, every other religion, some, in one form or another, leverages eternal life in order to get you to be good. Essentially, you have to do good deeds and be a good person to work your way to heaven. But that's not what God says. Look at this verse in John six twenty nine. Check it out. The Bible says this. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So here's the first part of the answer to this objection. The only work you have to do to gain eternal life is to believe in Christ. The only work you have to do to gain eternal life is to believe in Jesus Christ. Now, look at this next verse, Acts 4.12. Bible says this, Jesus is the only one who can save people. His name is the only power in the world that has been given to save people. We must be saved through him. And by saved, the Bible means I'm saved from paying the penalty of my own sin for myself by being separated from God. That's what it means to be saved. And so here's the answer, the second part of the answer to this objection. That there is only one name by which anyone else can be saved. Only one. And that name is, what goes in that blank? Jesus. Name is Jesus. And it's not the name of any other God, any other, any other religion. It's, it's Jesus, okay? And I think this last verse, in my mind, is the most convincing. Look at it. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, except through me. Look, Jesus says about himself that he is the only way to get to heaven. You can't get there any other way. Now look, if Jesus was really just a persona in another religion, he would not have been this exclusive. He wouldn't have been. He would have said basically, hey, all you Jews, this is the way, because uh, like, I'm a Jew too. But he said, no, no. He, says, he doesn't say only the Jews. He says no one comes to the Father except through him. And so he's not just a persona in the Jewish culture for the Jews and a different persona in a, duff, in a different culture known as on a different name. That, that's not it at all. He says that he is the only one. And if Jesus is not telling us the truth here, then he is, as C.S. Lewis said, Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he is who he actually says he is, and he is Lord. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or a Lord. 
I mean, and so the deal is Christianity can't be right and everything else be right too, okay? Because Christianity says that basically that every other religion is wrong, is misguided. So here's the third part of the answer to this objection. Either other religions are right and Christianity is wrong, or Christianity is right and all other religions are wrong. They are mutually exclusive. They're mutually exclusive. Basically, it means that the beliefs of one preclude the beliefs of another. They cannot both be true. And you know what? I'm going with Christianity. You know why? Because it is the only religion where someone has actually, visibly, verifiably come back from the dead. I'm going with that. Now look, here's the deal. You're going to encounter objections with people when you're sharing your faith. Look, but, but, don't, but don't let that keep you from sharing your faith. Don't let that get in your way. Use that as an opportunity to research and understand the answers to those questions. Which, by the way, there's an answer to every single objection somebody would have. You just got to go find it. And the answers that we've talked about today, honestly, they would be great things to teach to your kids. Because look, it would be great to help equip them and deepen them to get ready for conversations that I promise you that they will have at some point. And it'll deepen and strengthen your own faith too. Um, But no matter what, you need to learn how to talk about Jesus, and you need to learn how to handle some of these objections because look what the Bible says. Look at this last verse that I've got here for you this morning. Um, It's in uh, Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Those are people outside the faith, okay? Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You see, to not learn how to share your faith, to not learn how to handle the most common, commonly raised objections is basically to tell the rest of the world to hell with you. To hell with you. I mean, to not learn how to communicate the message of Christ clearly and lovingly and convincingly is basically to tell the rest of the world to hell with you. But, but God didn't want that. And now I'll be honest with you, I don't think anybody else in this room wants that. I don't think anybody who is actually serious about following Christ would want that. And because anybody serious about following Christ would want to reach the lost at any cost and then help them grow to maturity, right? Now, there are, in addition to sharing your faith, there are a couple things that you can do to help people find Christ, okay? Let me give you just a couple of quick things before we shut down this morning. Here's the first thing you can do. Uh, Two ways you can reach out to people. First is this, pass out a packet of five invite cards to people this week. I mean, in your chair is a set of five invite cards that you can pass to people. Look, this gives you five opportunities to share your faith with someone this week. And at the very least, it gives them an, it gives them an invitation to come to church. Because look, next Sunday... 
is a big day as far as church attendance goes because it's about a, about a month after school. You know, people have kind of gotten back into the routine. They're, you know, ready to maybe add something else into their schedule. There's no holiday. There's no Super Bowl. It's a great day for people to come to church. In fact, they're probably more open to come to church next week than most other days of the year. So that's why we want you to invite them to come next Sunday, okay? Here's the second thing that you can do, and that's this. And thank you that everybody in this room is already doing this, but bottom line, avoid the second service. Come to either the first or the third. Because look, honestly, the second service, the 1020 service here, it's the most natural time for guests to come. And, And at that service, as well as the parking lot, they're packed, I mean, I'm telling you, they're packed. And we're at the point where at that second service, people are having a hard time finding a place to sit and finding a place to park, okay? So please, would you continue to do something sacrificial and continue to come to this service? Or if you can't make it to this service, come to the third service, not to the second service, okay? Um, And remember, we're asking to make that sacrifice so that other, more people can hear about Christ. That's the point of it. Now, um, here's the thing. We, we're, we're trying to make it easier for folks to come to either the first service or even the third service, okay? And so at the third service, since it's kind of later in the morning and, you know, little kids start getting hungry, um, for all the kids that are fifth grade and under every single week at the third service, they're going to have an ice cream party every week. We're going to provide an ice cream party for them. If they're student, youth, junior high and high school students, um, every single week at the third service um, down in the youth room, we're going to provide them hot dogs and snow cones for free every single week. Okay? And here's the thing. The third service for adults, I, I'll tell you, honestly, it's really the best service to come because I usually give the, my strongest and best message because I've practiced it twice already that morning. Okay? So you guys get a little bit raw, first service, I got to tell you, all right? And here's the thing, the parking is so much easier that third service. And and let me tell you a couple things about this parking. Um, We are already have engineers that are drawing up the plans to build an additional parking lot because we're just too full, okay? And as soon as those plans are finished, we are going to start pouring and getting that parking lot ready. In addition... We are, we are working with the Harris County Toll Road Authority to try to get an exit from our parking lot out onto 1093, all right? Yeah, that would be awesome. So we need to pray for those guys down at that office, okay? But bottom line, in order to become a contagious Christian, we need to do everything we can to help those who are outside the faith find Christ. And that means that we've got to learn how to share it. We've got to learn how to overcome objections. And we've got to do everything we can at this church to make room for as many people as we can. So I want to say thank you in advance for doing what you can to stay out of that second service and into this service as well as handing out invite cards. Thank you for doing that. Um, Go ahead and pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it next to your message notes. I want you to look at your notes and the card. And on the notes and the card, I want you to check the next step or steps you want to take today. Um, we've got a lot of ones, so here, here it is. Here's the first one. I will practice and learn how to share my faith until I feel comfortable doing it. 
Man, would you just, two weeks ago, if you didn't get this message, two weeks ago in part one of how to share your faith, we talked about what you need to say when you're sharing your faith. Go get that message if you don't have it. Get it on our mobile app or download on the podcast, but check it out. Number two, I will pray and ask the Lord to give me an opportunity to share my faith. I'll be honest with you, that is one dangerous prayer to pray. It is. It's a dangerous prayer to pray. I mean, I, I dare you to pray it. I dare you to start praying it. Next, I will practice and learn how to answer these common objections. Go through these sermon notes. Go download, download this podcast on the mobile app or on, the, or, or on iTunes. And go or let it just play over in your car over and over until you learn how to share it and do it comfortably. Next, I will pass out all five of my invite cards this week. It's going to be an awesome sermon series. Man, if you can open a sermon series with a video about with dead or alive as a theme song, and that's cool every time. Next, I commit to attending the first or third service until the end of May to create space for people who need to hear about Christ. Would you do that? Because we're hoping by the end of May, we are thinking the parking lot will be finished. We might have an exit out, and that's what we're hoping. Okay, next, I want to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. Because look, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, holy cow, I've had some of these objections. But I'm telling you, there's answers to all of it. And if what you've heard this morning has helped you cross over, then, make a, then would you pray the prayer to become a Christ follower? There's a sample prayer of how to do that at the bottom of your message notes. If you've never prayed that prayer this, before and you're ready to do it this morning for the first time in your life, pray it right now. But I want you to check this box because I want to mail you some free stuff in the mail that will help you get started in your walk with Christ. And pick up a new believer packet. It's on a table just before you walk outside of each of the doors. Just grab one of them on your way out. Maybe it's this last one. I will memorize John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you've never memorized that scripture, man, you got to. That is a cornerstone type verse. Let me pray for you as Pat and the worship team come back up. Father, I do thank you so much for, for the fact, God, that there's nobody that can outsmart you with questions or come up with scenarios that don't have answers. And so I ask, Lord, that you would help us as your people to learn what those answers are, to clearly and articulate and articulately um, speak them and share them with friends and neighbors and family members who are skeptic or doubt or just just have honest questions that they just simply don't know the answers to and so you would help equip us and you would use us to reach out to a world a world of people just like my friend carrie who are looking for something more out of life than what they're finding and i ask that you would do all of this to help us become contagious Christians. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.